sitting comfortably, then we'll begin. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. Something about the summer I didn't cope with well. And every time I walked in this room in the same spot. Tripped and fell and I checked my spit for blood And I do not call enough I spill my guts for money But you don't find my jokes that funny There's something in the tone of my voice that makes you Question everything I say And I will never learn to, to shut my mouth And bury things our parents weigh at You said that I should quit what I fear And I know I just wanted it to be my idea And you said that I do not exist And I know at least now we Telling myself that I'm not just here for everyone else Make plans for birthdays that I don't care if I celebrate And I'm sorry that I can't be what everybody wants from me I do not feel that I am loved but I something like this. In the beginning we were all fish, okay, swimming around in the water. And then one day a couple of fish had a retard baby, and the retard baby was different so it got to live. So retard fish goes on to make more retard babies, and then one day a retard baby fish crawled out of the ocean with its mutant fish hands, and it had butt sex with a squirrel or something and made this retard frog squirrel. And then that had a retard baby, which was a monkey fish frog. And then this monkey fish frog had butt sex with that monkey. And that monkey had a mutant retard baby that screwed another monkey. And that made you. So there you go. You're the retarded offspring of five monkeys having butt sex with a fish squirrel. Congratulations. More could Overthinking bleach dreamer Forget these actors, I ain't heard them on a beat either I'm a catalyst, I get you out your seat eager Prone to accidents, my mic evolved to me cleaver My people party, might involve a free weaker We push each other to go sicker and blow reefer Cadet of the space age and an old geezer Can't take the pressure, out of tune, no bleeder Every single day's a blessing, I'm a known seeker Pupils in the back of my eye sockets, I'm a blown Never the blessings, the ruthless that I'm most eager Level your messengers 
to the National Academy of Science from Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C., October 22, 1963. Dr. Seitz, President Paz, Dr. Bronk, my scientific advisor, Dr. Wiesner, the gentleman. I'm happy to accept the invitation to address the National Academy of Sciences, and I'm very uh, happy to come here with our distinguished visitor from Bolivia, the president of Bolivia, who, uh, though a distinguished scholar and educator in his own right and an exile, has uh, led his country through one of the most profound uh, revolutions in the last decade that this hemisphere has witnessed. And therefore, I'm proud that he is with me on this uh, very important occasion to my own country. It's impressive to reflect that 100 years ago, in the midst of a savage fraternal war, the United States Congress established a body devoted to the advancement of scientific research. The recognition then of the value of abstract science ran against the grain of our traditional preoccupation with technology and engineering. You will remember de Tocqueville's famous chapter on why the Americans are more addicted to practical than to theoretical science. De Tocqueville concluded that the more democratic a society, the more will discoveries immediately applicable to productive industry confer gain, fame, and even power on their authors. But if I were to name a single thing which points up the difference this century has made in the American attitude toward science, it would certainly be the wholehearted understanding today of the importance of pure science. We realize now that progress in technology depends on progress in theory, that the most abstract investigations can lead to the most concrete results, and that the vitality of a scientific community springs from its passion to answer science's most fundamental questions. I therefore greet this body with particular pleasure for the range and depth of scientific achievement represented in this room 
constitutes the seedbed of our nation's future. The last hundred years have seen a second great change, the change in the relationship between science and public policy. To this new relationship, your own academy has made a decisive contribution. For a century, the National Academy of Sciences has exemplified the partnership between scientists who accept the responsibilities that accompany freedom and a government which encourages the increase of knowledge for the welfare of mankind. As a result in large part of the recommendations of this academy, the federal government enlarged its scientific activities through such agency as the Geological Survey, the Weather Bureau, the Bureau of Standards, the Forest Service, and many others. But it took the First World War to bring science into central contract with governmental policy. And it took the Second World War to make scientific counsel an indispensable function of government. The relationship between science and public policy is bound to be complex. As the country has had reason to note in recent weeks, during the debate on the nuclear test ban treaty, scientists do not always unite themselves in their recommendations to the makers of policy. This is only partly because of scientific disagreements. It is even more because the big issues so often go beyond the possibilities of exact scientific determination. I know few significant questions of public policy which can safely be confided to computers. In the end, the hard decisions inescapably involve imponderables of intuition, prudence, and judgment. In the last hundred years, science has thus emerged from a peripheral concern of government to an active partner. The instrumentalities devised in recent times have given this partnership continuity and force. The question on all our minds today is how science can best continue its service to the nation, to the people, to the world in the years to come. I would suggest that science is already moving to enlarge its influence in three general ways. In the interdisciplinary area, in the international area, and in the intercultural area. For science is the most powerful means we have for the unification of knowledge. And a main obligation of its future must be to deal with problems which cut across boundaries, where the boundaries between the sciences, boundaries between nations, or boundaries between man's scientific and his humane concern. As science of necessity becomes more involved with itself, so also of necessity it becomes more international. I am impressed to know that of the 670 members of this academy, 163 were born in other lands. The great scientific challenges transcend national frontiers and national prejudices. In a sense, this has always been true, for the language of science has always been universal, and perhaps scientists have been the most international of all professions in their outlook. But the contemporary revolution in transport and communication has dramatically contributed to the internationalization of science. And one consequence has been the increase in organized international cooperation. Every time you scientists make a major invention, we politicians have to invent a new institution to cope with it. And almost invariably these days, and happily, it must be an international institution. I'm not just thinking of the fact that when you gentlemen figure out how to build a global satellite communication system, we have to figure out a global organization to manage it. I'm thinking as well that scientific advance provided the rationale for the World Health Organization and the Food and Agricultural Organization, that splitting the atom leads not only to a nuclear arms race, but to the establishment of the International Atomic Energy Agency. That the need for scientific exploration of Antarctica leads to an international treaty providing free access to the area without regard to territorial claims. 
that the scientific possibility of a world weather watch requires the attention of the World Meteorological Organization, that the exploration of oceans leads to the establishment of an intergovernmental oceanography commission. Recent scientific advances have not only made international cooperation desirable, but they have made it essential. The ocean, the atmosphere, outer space belong not to one nation or one ideology, but to all mankind. And as science carries out its tasks in the years ahead, it must enlist all its own disciplines, all nations prepared for the scientific quest, and all men capable of sympathizing with a scientific impulse. Scientists alone can establish the objectives of their research, but society, in extending support to science, must take account of its own needs. As a layman, I can suggest only with diffidence what some of the major tasks might be on your scientific agenda. Welcome to the show Where you don't know If it's part of the show Welcome to the show If you don't know It's part of the show teach you to reach for the stars while opening up the bars and keeping you chained down with mortgage bills and cars vaccines for your arms kids sounding like supercharged caffeinated hate field scars and rage quit repertoires no answers for yards caught up in emotion that's not even yours imposter truths like impeccable retards lined up for your serving of gish gallop and wars no remedy can't save the lost in love with the yarn i'm tired of walking into refracted Shards, poor science displayed by disgusting bards Soaked in sin with your dupe as delight in a new hand of cards Been so long, seems like for love I'm, I'm just too hard, I'm just too hard, I said Welcome to the show Where you don't know If it's part of the show Intoxicated eight makes you believe you're spinning in space Why you have no shame or grace It's a disdainful state I used to contemplate How to save myself from my own self-hate Wonder why I was even made with a dreadful fate Forced to try and awake with a full plate No one to help me stay awake or educate I've had to liberate and fight through hidden gates But my brother, heaven could never be late And rockets don't work in space It's all fake, the show is on Mars It's a joke, but you're too far gone It won't be long Fepe's beak is strong We have our song and we march along Like streams of knowledge leading to God's holy pond And lives of truth that eats the bong And sings the song that turns mankind from the wrong We come in peace with a holy gown And all of us wearing our holy crowns Said the earth is flat And we probably just won't get along Just to go along, I said Welcome to the show part of the show
I remember when the world was still round. When things still felt simple, the way you expect them to be. I remember the innocence of childhood, the feel of the grass on my toes, catching frogs in the creek, riding bikes until the sun went down. And even though life was never perfect, there was still a confidence that overall we lived in an era of progress, of discovery, of accomplishment. I remember when I still believed it was one nation under God. And when that flag wasn't simply a symbol hailing the march of the New World Order. I remember when it was still impossible for two planes to knock down three buildings and for tiny fires to melt steel. I remember when the Constitution still meant something. When kids didn't get molested in airports by federal employees. Before everyone just accepted the reality of total state surveillance. I remember when the skies weren't crisscrossed with ungodly poisons. When we weren't given toxic water to drink. Or cancer causing food to eat. I remember when kids could play outside until they got called in for dinner, when parents weren't forced to keep them indoors because of the unspoken awareness of a black market for their innocent flesh. I remember when the controlled media still at least attempted to make their lies believable, when they still somewhat respected the intelligence of the public enough to at least make an effort. I remember when we all cried as kids because we thought we saw that poor teacher lady blow up on our way to outer space. And I remember when I first learned that it was all a sick charade. I remember when the spell was finally broken. And when the illusion suddenly had no magic left. The American dream became a bit of a nightmare, and everything felt upside down and inside out, because it was. And I remember the staggering realization that there is in fact a right side up, in every possible sense. I remember when men were still men and women were still women. And little boys could be boys without being drugged into submission. And little girls could be princesses without being Disney whores. Before elementary kids were watching porn on their iPhones. I remember when people still knew how to simply talk to each other. To have conversations with real eye contact. And go places and do things without having to validate it with selfies. I remember when Google wasn't a verb. I remember when artificial intelligence was an oxymoron. I remember when books still had value and being alone with your thoughts, and when everyone wasn't constantly clamoring to be heard all the time, every day. I remember when I wasn't waking up each day wondering if that would be the day when everything came crashing down. If there would be the next false flag, the next move, the next phase of the agenda, whatever that may be. I remember when one of the most difficult things in life wasn't actually the task of trying to relearn what I should be remembering in the first place. Remembering that this world, in its present form, is passing away.
want much but what I know I don't know much but what what I show Watch that fire glow Burning royal like you know Well, I think you want the show I don't think, and I think, and I don't think, and the corn on my tongue, like the words that can't be sung, well I think we're all kind of love to to debate or argue so it's all good because it's fun when uh, a globe earther gets stumped and it's like hey man you've been calling me dumb this whole time you're losing a debate to a flat earther i was like i could switch sides real quick do you want me to debate for the globe i'll switch sides of this debate you know completely <laughs> objectively just just like a professional debater just switch sides it doesn't matter which side i'm going to debate for i'm going to win the debate cuz i'm i'm armed with knowledge i could t i know both sides and because i know the heliocentric model of the solar system i know what's wrong with it and and i see the holes through it they don't even know what they believe in and that's the problem most of the time when you debate these uh globe earthers you have to teach them what they believe in before you can debunk what they believe in. They have no idea what they believe in. And it's sad. It's sad. And then they say, well, I don't care. Like, I'm happy. You don't have any friends. Get a life. You know, you're miserable. I'm happy. They use happiness to justify their ignorance. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's where that fucking uh, old saying comes from, right? Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> they walk right into this shit, too. It's hilarious debating these people. I've been doing it all day. But it's like, and did any of those people, the Globe Earth believers, did any of them drive down to South Carolina like I did to actually view the eclipse? No. Did any of them actually care? No. It's the flat earther who, who takes the time to do this kind of stuff, right? It's the flat earther who does the research. It's the flat earther who does tests and experiments and makes observations, talks with people all around the country, all around the world. You got flat earthers in countries all around the world. You know, collaborating on, on this stuff. My friend today said to a globe earther, he said, I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. It's like, good job, Greg. What a great quote, right? Because when you say what they ask you, right? Well, if the earth is flat, what's on the under underside of it? What's on the bottom of the flat earth? And my response to that always is, well, you know, we've never drilled, human beings have never drilled past about eight miles into the Earth's crust. We've never made it to what they call the mantle. 
how am I supposed to know what's on the other side? No human's ever been there. You're asking me a question that can't be answered. You're forcing me to either bullshit you or say I don't know. Now, what would you prefer? I bullshit you or I give you an honest and sincere I don't know? Well, the globe earthers, they actually prefer bullshit. Because when you tell them there's no way of us knowing, it's not acceptable to them. They're so used to so-called experts always having answers for them that they prefer bullshit over a sincere I don't know. They think that's more acceptable. They said, one guy said to me today, he said, uh, we have scientists that know what the core of the earth's made out of, and you don't even know what's on the bottom of it. He goes, if our scientists are fake, at least we have better fake scientists than you do. <laughs> I was like, really? You would prefer that we fake our science? That's what you're telling me to do? That you're, you're telling me that, that your scientists are better because they tell you they know what the core of the globe is made out of and we're not as good because we can't tell you what's on the bottom of the flat earth? That is the most fucked up logic I've ever heard because, like I already said, human beings have never drilled further than nine miles into the earth. We've never made it to the so-called mantle Never made it past the crust. Never made it to the mantle. So we certainly have never made it to the core. So if some scientist is trying to tell you what the core is made of, he's completely full of shit. It's completely theoretical. There's no way for him to know that. And it would be more honest of him to say, there's no way of us to know that. We have ideas. We have theories. But we have no idea. <laughs> I, I prefer that. I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. We've been rolling on that holy shit. Most of these cats have been like holy shit. Why don't they know that they're holding it? And if you show then you're rolling in, rolling in, why oh, 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 yeah. why oh, oh, why oh, yeah. We've been rolling on that holy shit. Most of these cats have been like holy shit. Why don't they know? That they're holding it And if you know Then you're rolling in Rolling in Why oh Why are you Why oh
on that old issue When most of these cats have been like holy shit Why don't they know that they're holding it? Cause if you know it then you're rolling in, rolling in Why oh oh, why oh, why oh Chapter one. Would you like to have chapter two? You better, son of a bitch. I know the way. I know I need to grow up, but you know I did some work on my inner child, and he took a baseball bat to my inner seriousness. I'm currently looking for a new age workshop that will help me get in touch with my inner seriousness, but they don't seem to exist. Your window are wet. On what charge? You got nothing on me. Oh, no? Well, listen to this. Resisting an officer, assault and battery, trespassing, disturbing the peace, miscellaneous misdemeanors, public nuisance, traffic violations, going for a boulevard stop, jaywalking, triple parking, conduct unbecoming to a wabbit, national contempt, violating traffic regulations. Them police out here. <laughs> Think I forgot about y'all. I ain't, I ain't forget about y'all fucking police. Here's my problem with the police. I really don't have no real problem with you. So if you're in here, salute to you because you you do a tough job. You uh you go out and serve and protect. And when you when you get there, people ain't even happy to see you. But we need you. I ain't never been happy to see the police. I've been happy to see the fire department before. Then I got upset because they brought the police. I was like, why are you? Why you gotta bring your boy? I thought this was between me and you. I'm gonna call your boy and bring him with you. Ain't nobody tell you to bring him. I don't like the police because they get to do the stuff that we don't get to do and we like to do. They get to do it and we don't, we don't, we don't get to do it. They say we can't speed. They the fastest motherfuckers on the highway. They say we can't drive and text, but they got a goddamn laptop in the front seat. You gonna tell me I can't text you using a mouse, motherfucker? What is wrong with me? <laughs> and they use technology to help them out too much for me. I don't like that. You run a light, they gonna send me a picture of me running a light. Gonna ask me to pay it. Fuck no. Gonna pay it at the end of the year before I need my tags like I do the rest of this shit. <laughs> They got something in the siren, too, to fuck with your nervous system. Make you feel like you're going to shit on yourself when you hear it. <laughs> they just be trying to scare you. fuck is that noise? You just drive off. <sighs> you know, fuck your day up. <laughs> you don't know what's wrong with you no more. They fuck with everybody in the car too. Whoop, whoop, got you too? Yeah, nigga, what was that? Little baby in the back. Goddamn baby. They just be fucking with people, man. 
They know they do it. LAPD asked me to perform at their Christmas party this year. <laughs> I was like, nope. Don't sound like a good idea, buddy. I hung up. I ain't even want to hear them respond to nothing. They called me right back. Yep, they called me right back. And there was the sergeant on the phone. He was like, look, man, come on. We really want you to come out. We know you, what your material is about. You know, we, that's why we like you. We want you to come down here and perform for us. It's going to be a good night. Look, we'll double your money. All right? We're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to be beautiful, man. All of the officers are going to be here. They're going to be off duty. They're going to have their family and friends with them. It's going to be an open bar. What you think? I said, uh, sound like a setup. That's what I said. <laughs> my luck, I go down there and have the show of my life. They enjoy themselves. I go get me a drink, get my little check, be halfway home with my money. <laughs> You know why I pulled you over? I do not know you. Have you been drinking, sir? Yeah, nigga, with you. <laughs> Try to set me up, man. What you trying to do? I know better. I feel vulnerable every day. When I'm out on patrol or just walking my beat, it feels like a threatening situation could erupt at any minute. As a police officer, I constantly live in fear that I might be filmed brutalizing a civilian. Just yesterday, I pull over a black couple, and I kept thinking, what if I escalate the situation? And they pull a phone on me, and the footage lands on YouTube. Something like that could end a career in seconds. It's something you know from the time you're a cadet. The slightest civil rights infraction in front of anyone who's looking, and the next thing you know, you're surrounded by cameras and trending on Twitter. No cop should have to worry about that. Practically every precinct I know has somebody serving desk duty just for acting on deeply rooted prejudices when somebody had a recording device on them. It happened to my partner, and it even happened to our own captain. One day, he's just kicking an unarmed pedestrian in the ribs when all of a sudden people with cameras are everywhere and then they just start shooting what he was doing. All six minutes of it. I can't help but think sometimes that could have been me ending up at that desk job. You never know which day of total impunity will be your last, but for a cop, that's just our daily reality. <laughs> At last, the long arm of the war is reaching out and closing in on you, you screwy wabbit. A, you are idiots. B, the guns are loaded. And C, care to try me.
most stress for the championship I burn both ends of the candles with Losing track of time, crack my spine For the acid trip Then I tamper with this manuscript While you turning up I'm underneath the dirt with the worms and slugs Turning my brain while I work on something To make the surface rumble until the earth erupts Making heads nod to the racket I didn't lose any crops in the famine Dodging the traps but got lost in my passion Now I'm wandering back onto the path Law of attraction You lost all of your traction Now it's a slippery slope We slit in your throat till you bleed like us Let the blind lead blind I reach high for the things I love I don't give a fuck if you dance I don't give a fuck if you dance Last year's ugly presidential election and the ongoing rash of protests across the country, there's one thing just about everyone can agree on. We're more divided than ever. So how did we get here? Look no further than the lack of murals of people holding hands throughout the country. Sure, there are a few small pockets of America that already have a mural where a black kid and a white kid are holding hands. But when you consider that only 5% of Americans pass a mural made by a third grade class every day, no wonder we're constantly at each other's throats. Are we really at a crossroads because trust in government is at an all-time low? Or because hundreds of American cities have gone years without seeing the word unity spelled out in rainbow colors across a bridge? The harsh truth is right in front of our faces. Millions of Americans go their entire lives only ever seeing murals of a giant pair of eyes with globes for pupils. To be blunt, that's simply not good enough. Imagine that, instead of going about our daily routines never considering our common humanity, we saw a painting made out of the palm prints of 50 children every time we walked outside, or saw a mural where so many people are holding hands they wrap around the entire planet. Until then, we've got a lot of work to do. That one's probably really nice if you're on your period. Welcome again to Altered States and the journey towards awakened consciousness. What do you see here? A translucent variety of microcrystalline quartz? A semi-precious stone forged in the cavities of rocks? Or is it the key to an ancient metaphysical art? Today we're going to learn a little something about crystals and how they can help heal the mind and body. For real. This is your auric field. And this is a crystal. You can use this stone to help calibrate your psychic aura. Think of it like a tuning fork, helping your body to find the right pitch. All crystals have vibrations. These vibrations help to cleanse your auric field of any bad vibes you're hanging on to. Crystal healing has actually been around for thousands of years. Minerals were applied for healing purposes by several ancient civilizations, as well as tools for divination of higher knowledge and religious ceremony. Let's compare two different methods of crystal healing, shall we? First up, Reiki. In Reiki, hands are the channels for energy guided by universal spirit. Mystics of many cultures describe the physical universe as being made entirely of energy, which is subject to or affected by thought. Another form of crystal energy healing is chromotherapy, or color healing. Chromotherapy is the science of using colors to turn body vibrations into frequencies. Wait, what the hell does that mean? Jules, help me out. We're here at Oralex and I'm here with Jules. We're going to talk about crystals today. Why do most people get crystal healing sessions? I actually do a combination of Reiki, crystal healing, and sound healing together primarily. People come in for all different reasons. Most people come when they're going through something in yeah. their life. You wait until it's like dire straits and Bubbling you've got to come in for mm -hmm. something. It's more of a preventative thing to keep your energy field cleansed. Mm -hmm. So when life hits you with something, you can deal with it and manage it in an easier way. The way that I work with people is, you know, I want to get to the root of it, not just what's up here affecting them now, but what's really going on, where did this really come from, and dig things up. So what's Reiki? Reiki is a Japanese energy healing technique for stress relief and relaxation, we say. Um, but really it's a lot of different things. It's a spiritually guided life force energy. Spiritually guided meaning it's coming from a higher power, something beyond myself or beyond the Reiki practitioner. What is chromotherapy? Chromotherapy is color therapy, so yeah, that's using colors for healing. So it's interesting when you look up the properties of a unique color 
color and then look up the properties of that chakra, it matches. So there's wow. something to that energy. But enough talk, let's party. <laughs> Round one, Reiki. Start with scanning your auric field just to see where I become aware of any imbalances, anything that needs healing today. I'm just setting that intention. So I'm gonna start with a crystal tuning fork and I'm gonna put it on a few spots within your chakra system. You'll feel a vibration in your body. How does that feel? Really nice. That one's crazy. Yeah? Probably really nice if you're on your period. Really nice. For your ovaries. Round two. Chromotherapy. Put these crystals in your hands. So I like to activate the crystals. to draw some Reiki symbols also into your field. Combo. Bonus round. Crystal sound healing. that they were even there and I was like wow that was wonderful the sound was great the crystals amazing color therapy love it all just the energy moving throughout my body and I feel really relaxed and great right now yeah the Reiki I felt a lot even when you were just scanning me I felt ripples of energy and it felt very nurturing and safe Reiki and crystal healing can be used for many different reasons. Reducing stress or tension, relieving pain, headaches, respiratory problems, the list goes on and on. You may see these stones as sources of healing powers, or maybe just see them as dumb old rocks. But if they're making people feel better, the real question is this. If crystals make you more peaceful and at ease, who the f cares if they're real or not? One, two, three, four. I better get back to my show now. 
Dodong! I only date ninjas, and you are not a ninja. Uh, very powerful stuff. What more do you want? GoFindTheOthers.com Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, 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 click. It's real easy, man.